destination. Eat, drink. A monster sandwich. Little plates that definitely aren't tapas. And that delicious sweet wine, port. I'm Brent Peterson. Join me in Porto, Portugal for a culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Hi, welcome to The Bike Goes On. This is Brian Casey with my friend Sandra Bernstein. Sandra, how you doing? Hey, Brian. I'm sorry that you have a sniffle. <laughs> little sniffle, little <clears throat> going on. Yeah. Well, you're working really hard right now. I'm so pushing it. I'm pushing it. You are. You're a maniac. I'm, that's right. I'm going to get those grapes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we are blessed to have Gibson here from Edible Sonoma Napa Wine Country <laughs> and Marin. Whatever you say. <laughs> Edibles. Edible. Edible Magazine, which um, I have been reading. Okay, I'm not sure how long you've been doing it, but I've been reading it for as long as I can remember. Yeah, 10 plus years now. 10 plus wow. years. This past summer Did was my 10th anniversary. create it? I created the edible that covers Marin, Napa, and Sonoma, yes. The okay. very first edible publication ever was probably 18 years ago, Edible Ojai. Oh, interesting. Yes, so uh, two women, Tracy Ryder and Carol Topalian, started Edible Ojai as a black and white pamphlet that they just were doing other things and wanted to showcase local food producers in Ojai. So they started this pamphlet and it was quarterly and someone from Sever magazine saw it when they were in their second year of publishing and wrote it up in the top 100 things um, that Sever does every year and said every area should have one of these and sure enough they started getting phone wow. calls and through friends of friends they helped the second edible was edible Cape Cod and they sell the licenses you buy the license to cover a certain territory that's very clever business model. But if you're, if they're, okay, so if you're having to get the license, then is there formatting that they're wanting you to stick to specifically? There is not. Okay. Um, the, the difference between a franchise and a license is it's a different tax classification, which means when they sell the license or the, the franchise, they pay less tax. But that also means licensees have a lot more freedom. In fact, really the only thing in the license agreement is that you can never have more than 49% advertising to editorial, which is really nice because it keeps the magazines mm -hmm. from being just chock full yeah. of ads. Yeah. Uh, but there's very little else. In fact, um, there are now probably, there are over 100 edibles publishing and some come and go um, and change publishers and editors. And they're like, my magazine is on uncoated stock, which is what I really love about yeah. it. And it's yeah. very expensive paper. It's yeah. high recycled content. But the only glossy edible is edible Aspen. So oh, you can be glossy so, if you want to. Uh -huh. That's pretty funny, though. <laughs> it is. It is. And and Lisa Houston, the publisher there, has become a dear friend. And I'm like, why are you glossy? And she said, well, I feel like I need to be glossy to compete with the other Aspen publications. But my feeling is 
we stand out exactly. being uncoated, people are like, wow, what is that? Instead mm-hmm. of another yeah. glossy. So. I yeah. love that matted feel. Even with cars now, I love yeah. that people are doing those paint jobs that are like, get that matted feel to it. It, it, that, it You're right. It stands out uh, more than this the satin sheen does nowadays. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, the plot du jour, we ended up with glossy paper because the photographers wanted the photos. I mean, the photos, the colors and right. all of that is better. You but have to I be think- really careful. I use a printer that I've always used that a lot of the edibles um, use because of the saturation of the mm-hmm. colors. You have to be really careful. Yeah, it will soak in. Beautiful. It's thank you. Um, I've, I've, agree and what we work really hard to keep the paper from soaking in all the ink and it can really muddy things right um Mm -hmm. so it's it's an art to making that work but when it works it's good okay so can i can i Mm -hmm. play dumb person like well not really stretch for me you can pretend so what exactly is the the um format of the magazine and what is the purpose of the magazine so I feel like it's a mission and um, my mission with the magazine is to tell the stories of the people in these three counties that are making good in quotes um, food and drink it's not restaurant reviews it's not wine reviews it really is the stories behind the producers the farmers the cheesemakers um, when I first started the magazine, I had been the leader for the slow food chapter for Marin County right, for yeah. eight years. Yeah. So what I did there was bringing together the producers and the consumers because I feel like if you educate consumers on why they should care about locally produced food and drink and why locally produced food and drink is going to cost more. Um, in general, then if you tell that story, it's going to resonate with them and they will seek it out. They will recognize it on the shelves. Um, And so that's really my mission. And, And I had, when I first started the magazine, I knew like Peg Smith and Sue Conley from Cowgirl through my slow food days. And they came to me. And of course, the magazine is free. So we're supported by our advertising partners. Thank you, Sandra. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the girl in the fig is, no, longtime <laughs> supporter. And just it's an honor to have you as in our community. Um, let, let us advertise uh, in there. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, but they, Peg and Sue were like, the only place that we advertise is in edible publications. And of course, Cowgirl Creamery sells everything that they can produce. Um, but it really is, is part of a, a community. And what Peg and Sue said, they feel like they're, by advertising in the magazine, I can keep producing it and tell the stories of the young up and coming food artisans who can't advertise. And so we're, we're an editorial Mm -hmm. um, venue for them to tell their story. And where do you meet? So if you work for the, if you were actually a part of the slow food movement, then you knew a lot of these people, but then how are you getting turned on to some of the newer projects that are going on? You know, I, I, being a part of the community is really my biggest problem. Um, it's a nice problem to have is too much content. Mm-hmm. I mean, being a quarterly magazine and right now I've been at 108 
pages. Um, my production costs, my printing costs are astronomical, so I have to manage it somehow. Um, 108 is a sacred number in Sanskrit, and I'm a longtime yogi, so I like 108, so I'm sticking with it. that um, and, and not moving my page count up. But I really, I, I had to cut two stories from my fall issue because we just ran out of space. Um, and I, it's moving around the community. I was saying I was at an event two years ago in Sonoma at the general's daughter and invited by um, a friend and who's also connected to the ag world. And I met a woman there who does the grape stomps um, as an experience. And so for two years, I had it on my to-do list that I wanted to write about her. And I sort of keep that as a running Mm. list of stories that I want to cover. Right. I had someone come stay at the Fairmont last week and it was a couple that were living up in sea ranch and that was what she wanted to do she wanted to stomp grapes she asked me if if i could make that happen for a week we tried but it's <laughs> one of those things that's a little bit difficult to plan when she was talking about an actual not putting down a half a barrel and throwing some grapes that we bought at the store but to actually do it um you know in a commercial facility and i think I said, guthrie does it Okay, because I was thinking legally, I don't, you know, they don't really want you in the crush pad facility. With your bare feet <laughs> in the grapes. With your fungus. And then, right, and there's that thing too where, you know, some winemakers will say, oh yeah, we're, we're foot treading the wines. And some winemakers, I look at them and go, okay, I would drink that wine. And some winemakers that tell me they're putting their feet in their wine, I say, I'm not getting anywhere near that wine. <laughs> Sometimes that's a deal breaker. Right. I, I thought you were going to say they wanted to do Edible Sea Ranch. Oh, no. I mean, what that That actually is available. I'm, it's really surprising. No one has Humboldt County or Mendocino County yet in wow. the Edible license. And everything's so. moving north. Right. Yeah. Um, there's there's a similar looking magazine. There's also we were talking about this earlier off air. The uh, Cincy magazine mm-hmm. is the is the magazine that covers the cannabis industry, and Cincy is definitely publishing up there already. For sure. <laughs> that's, 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 that's how, how, how do you spell that? S e n s i. Oh, I haven't I haven't read that yet. Sensamilla. Oh, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh, that's fun. But I mean, how how do you did you have to teach yourself everything like from scratch? You were an attorney. I was. I was an attorney. Well, I tell this story when um, I was very young. My grandmother was the hostess in her small town in Alabama. She entertained all the time and was a fabulous cook and her daughter my mother did not cook so I would spend a lot of time at my grandparents house and it was just a buzz of activities my grandmother was always making pickles or putting things up canning peaches putting things away for the winter and I loved it so much so I always had a draw towards food Uh, she was also a beautiful seamstress but I never asked her to teach me to sew it's one of the regrets of my life Mm -hmm. but My mother, who didn't cook, was an artist, is an artist, and they put me in art classes really early, and I scratched out the ugliest type A apple you have ever seen. I mean, like, oh, that's not good enough, and erasing the page, and I think they took me out after the second lesson. They're like, oh, she's not creative. She's not an (laughs) artist. Let's get her out of here, and so I really grew up thinking I wasn't creative, so I 
went to college, mm-hmm. went to law school, came out. Actually, I surprised you earlier when I said I, I practiced law for one year out of law school um, and then moved to D.C. and didn't want to practice law and ended up running a catering company. And it yeah. was so hard that it drove me back to practicing <laughs> law. <laughs> when and we moved back to Atlanta, I'm like, forget it. You remember how hard that catering was? Catering is, everyone knows how much you hate moving. Catering is moving food. Ugh. And furniture exactly (laughs) and then once you get there if you forgot one thing you're in so much trouble so yeah catering and then yeah you set up and you get really really sweaty and then you're supposed to wait on people and then at the you know when the event's over you have a successful event and your guests are happy and it's you're on this high and then you realize we have to pack up all this crap (laughs) and move back to where we came and do it again the next day i would get home um from a day at work and my husband would be like you smell and I'm like I know I've got like food smells all over oh, me and no. it was crazy so yeah. I went back to practicing law and but when I started the magazine I didn't know anything about publishing of course but being a, you know people said to me why don't you just start the magazine on your own why do you need to be a part of edible why would you pay the license fee we still pay them royalty fees based on advertising and every issue but being a part of the edible community was and has been just invaluable I mean not only for the moral support as you're mm-hmm. publishing a, a print magazine in this day and age but also you know I I engaged a designer that was already designing edible Manhattan edible Brooklyn and edible East End wow. in the Hamptons which was the first edible that I saw and this woman who's has since then very sadly retired she sort of taught me all the systems of how to set it up how to you know I I assign stories to writers I give them a deadline assign photographers and it all comes in and the first time I uploaded all the edited word docs of the stories and the photographs to her FTP site and she sent me back a draft in a PDF form I was like I've made a magazine (laughs) crazy and I didn't you know, I, I feel like every issue, I, I, um, I know I'm doing the right thing because it all just comes together yeah. and the stories line up and it really feels like I'm doing right work. And so mm. it's easier, but I had no idea. Like I am creative and cooking yes. is so oh, creative, yeah. but it wasn't maybe just in the South, maybe everywhere. It was sort of woman's work. And it was expected of you and mm-hmm. it wasn't thought of as being creative. It's, it's wonderful now that chefs are getting, they're superstars, yeah. um, rock stars, because it is creating just like an artist. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. you know, the palate gets eaten and right. then you have to do it all over again the next yeah. day. Yeah, but, but why did you decide to start a catering business? Why, why was that a, uh, an option for you? Well, the way that happened in, in Washington, when I, I moved there, didn't really want to practice law, and a friend of mine had just left D.C., moving back to the South, and she said, why don't you go talk to this couple who had this small niche catering company um, in Georgetown, and they did 
very high-end small dinner parties mm -hmm. and I did know how to do that yeah. so I went to talk to them and I said I've never even been a waitress I literally have no idea how the restaurant catering business works as a business but it was this couple and I went to work for them planning parties but you know your cook doesn't show up and you're in the kitchen and you're going to the farmer's market and shopping and so a small company you do everything mm -hmm. um and sure enough i ended up running it for them wow. <laughs> and now speaking of um online is edible available online it is okay so we have the print magazine which is really my true love but we also have the digital version mm -hmm. it's both on our website we have our articles um, and then we have a digital version which actually and we have apps for every platform so you can read the magazine on the oh, app wow. or the digital form right and so all of them are like that so can you actually go on your computer and look at all of the different edibles from around the country I think most everyone has a the digital flip book version maybe not everyone but most of us do and that's another part of being a part of this community and having you know edible marin and wine country is a mouthful but people use the magazine when they come to wine country because like all those folks from edible manhattan who look to their own local edible right. when they, we have an eat local guide we have story you know i use it edible hawaiian islands when i go to hawaii now uh, the first thing i do is look online yeah. at edible hawaiian islands and figure out where we're going to have dinner you know hotel advertisers everything yeah, it it's a sense. wonderful resource to be a right. part of this community is it in europe not well there are two in canada no oh, maybe there are three in canada actually there's an edible alaska which is not mm. out of the country but um that's sort of further <laughs> afield these days exactly um <laughs> believe it or not edible alaska but there are three in um, canada now vancouver's fabulous um and but none in europe yet but that might be next wow and who has ultimate control over the stories? It sounds like that's you. It's me. So you have ultimate control on everything right now, I right? do. Yeah. I take out the trash. You, I deliver I, a lot of my own magazines, too. Right. And wow. you bill me. Like, exactly. It comes from your email. <laughs> well, that and, and people say, like, oh, my God, why are you still delivering magazines? Why are you still billing? Why are you still sending ad art reminders and I think most of my advertising partners have been with me for 10 years or nine years or eight years and it's because they know how much I care right. and um and that's part of it it's sending everybody a personal message with their bills it's right. sending a personal <laughs> message with their ad art reminder about what's coming up and you can't I, I I speak to a lot of prospective publishers and there are people who are come in who were publishing a different magazine before or they were a writer or they were and they know the publishing end of it um, but they're not a part of the community are they you okay. cannot do this from afar yeah. you, you right. just no way. can't you have people have to trust you that you care and right. there was a, a little blip there in the um, evolution of Edible Inc., where the two co-founders had sold the company to a group of investors that were meant to sort of turn us into a media conglomerate, and it didn't work because we're all individually owned. So talk about herding cats, a mm. um, yeah. hundred different publishers. But it really, um, 
they, the, that group was, they came to us and said, oh, we have an ad for Bertoli olive oil and you guys are going to, you know, make money when you put it in your magazines. And I'm like, not no, but hell no. Like right. Bertoli olive oil, that's imported from Italy. Right. Like, that's the antithesis of what I'm about. olive oil companies <laughs> yes. here. And it's been sitting on the shelf for God knows how long. Exactly. Sorry, Bertoli. Wasn't good to begin with. Right. <laughs> okay. I am going to Italy tomorrow. I don't want anybody shooting me from Bertoli. <laughs> That's right, exactly. I have so a feeling you'll have better options. Back. I'll be back <laughs> when this airs. <laughs> oh my goodness. So do you have um, edible conferences? We do. We have a publisher's um, conference once a year that is optional for you to get together. And I, I bought the license in October now, 11 years ago, next month. And I went to my first publisher's meeting in January. And I remember sitting there with tears in my eyes. My first issue was coming out in June. And because my son, who's about to turn 17, it's always like, mom, all you talk about is food. (laughs) So when I got to this publisher's conference and everybody was talking about food and not just this is delicious, but what food means to a community and sitting down at a table together. I literally had tears in my eyes. Like I have found my people. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, and do they do awards like for the best at they do they do they're called the eddie awards the eddie awards and yes and you uh, win one yet? yes i have won Ooh-hoo. a handful wow. of eddie awards including um best cover cover of the year and i can't remember how many years ago that was and it was this amazing photograph that Meg Smith, the photographer Mm. in Napa, had taken. um, She was at the Montessori school there and uh, it was the Rombauer child, one of the children, with a chicken on her head. And it spontaneously happened that the chicken just landed on Ransom Rombauer's head (laughs) and Meg Smith captured it in her um, Uh. immense talents. And we were at the publisher's meeting, which was that year in Santa Barbara, and they said, okay, and, you know, the final award is cover of the year, and the finalists are Edible Manhattan and Edible Marina Wine Country and Edible whoever, and whoever wins gets to go to the Nyman Ranch Pig Farmer Appreciation Weekend in Des Moines, Iowa. And, oh, yeah, Tracy and Carol, the co-founders of Edible, had gone the year before before and talked about it it's sort of pejoratively called the pig prom they invite all of the pig farmers in from nebraska iowa illinois to come to des moines for their big weekend and they get super dressed up because it's a big deal for them so when they i I was dying to go and so when they announced that i had Uh. won i literally went insane (laughs) and i had had a few drinks for sure but i went up and i got the award and i came back to the table and my boyfriend was like you know they said Iowa not Italy right (laughs) we've been to Italy a lot I've never been to Iowa Oh, isn't that, that is cute? So fabulous. <laughs> yeah, they're showing we're, it now. We're looking at the cover. Yes, you can still find that online. Yeah, what uh, that is summer? Uh, looks like 
Did it say at the top? 2012, I think. 2012. That's so fun. Yeah, a long time ago now. So we got to go and take my son to, and it was during the Iowa State Fair. Oh, my goodness. We had fried butter and pork Uh, chops on a stick. Fried butter? Fried fried whatever. It was amazing. (laughs) Fried butter. So they like... They chill or maybe freeze. freeze. Um, yeah. It was cut on the diagonal, and then they dip it in a batter, and they deep fry it. So the butter really just evaporates, but it goes into, it was extraordinary. It goes into your veins, <laughs> like, <laughs> immediately. The money gets sucked out of your bank account to your doctor. <laughs> yes, direct transfer. Oh my yeah. God. The... Yeah, it's so fascinating. I've always been like really fascinated by printing and magazines, and I love that. I I feel like even though the digital world is taken off, I do feel like there's a lot of print coming back. And I think when we saw that shift, things like um, Kinfolk, Mm -hmm. like they really started a super movement because now there's like tons of these very cherry um, bomb niche publications niche publications mm-hmm. right and they're expensive to buy mm-hmm. or i actually just did a subscription on the online um kinfolk i don't know why but it was pricey but their stuff is really fascinating mm-hmm. and they travel all over the world and i think you know the the same people that care about what they eat, what they feed their families, who produces it. They have that sort of aesthetic where they, they like a print magazine. Still, I still read books for goodness sakes. I don't want to, and there was like a early adoption of people going to their Kindles or on the iPad. But what we're hearing and feeling is that print is very much alive and coming back in the places that it did have a fall off for those niche areas done done really well Um, and not every day maybe I mean there are a few edibles that are every other month for my lifestyle I love seasonal and Mm. once a quarter because then I do have an ebb and flow and frankly it's just too much for people to read I think once a quarter it's like oh this is special I'm gonna read it Um, and not trying to do every day or even every month um Mm. But it is. No, that would be a lot, a lot of work. Right. I can't even imagine. You would need a whole huge crew. Oh, yeah. And just yeah, no, no downtime. Happen. Yeah. But it's very tactile, don't you think, when you're actually holding something in your hand? And mm-hmm. it's not, it's, you know, my wife orders everything online. I, I don't, I can't remember the last thing that I've ordered online. I'm one of those people that actually goes to the store and goes and touches something I'm, and looks I'm at something online. and feels something. But even the smell of a magazine. There's uh, something yeah, about it. Like it's like it's in a, it's a completely different experience than reading it online. And I would say I probably have two or three cookbooks on my iPad, and there's no way I've got two, three hundred oh, books. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm still buying books. I don't read from cover to cover. Mm-hmm. I definitely don't cook out of them, but they're beautiful. <laughs> yeah. They're like. It's no, like I, my thing. I'm stacks and stacks of books, yeah. and I'm so great. I think my son will end up being a writer, even oh. if he does something else. But we started early on. I mean, my father used to get in trouble as a child for bringing a book to the dinner table, mm. and he really instilled a love of reading mm. and books 
for us and I just inherited a huge leather bound book collection that Ooh. was his wow. and so I, that was really the one thing that I wanted from my father's belongings because I thought it would start a library for my son all the classics and so wow. I had a huge bookshelf in our house this built-in bookshelf and I donated all the books to the Mill Valley library and it was amazing taking like five moving boxes full of books and they're expensive my aunt um checks books out at the library and that's a wonderful option and like I just I need to hold a book in my hand I'm not gonna yeah. you know my mom too yeah she like I, when I was at her house I'm looking at a bookcase and they're all hardcover books they're all novels or literature for her couple book clubs or whatever and I'm thinking Okay, like a cookbook, I understand, but like, are you going to read that book again? Like that hardbound book? She used to go to the library, but I realized a good present for my mom is like adding another hundred dollars to her Amazon account. <laughs> yes, and then she can get what she wants. Yeah, we used to do Barnes and Noble yeah. book cards oh. for my son, and no, but I pass them on, and I read usually every night before bed. Mm -hmm. I use it to quiet my mind, and you're not going to get that from no. a screen for no. sure. Yeah. And I read, and then I pass the books on, and I. I've got stacks of mm. books and and it's also like to keep that whole writing industry going it's like right. the people who are selling all of their product you could fill every table at your restaurant and you still support the magazine it's really we are all doing our part and if you don't you know buy the books mm -hmm. it's hard enough I think as a writer to make a living yeah Right. But with the magazines too, I think it reminds me of vinyl or records right now. Mm -hmm. that They're coming back. I'm buying vinyl now. I know people, it's, it, and I had purchased a record player about a year ago, but I hadn't quite gotten into it because I, I don't have a place in the house for it to be set up. But now that I'm working at a, I'm working at a tasting house where we have an extensive record collection. <gasps> That's so I'm fun. getting into it now. There I'm rediscovering thousands. music that, that I, I completely mm. forgot about and holding that thing yeah. in your hand. And again, the smell, the, 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 just the feel yeah. of the thing. It's just the, the tactile experience. As we were talking about, I took my son to see Elton John in San Francisco mm -hmm. on Friday night. And I have a visceral memory of looking at that Captain Fantastic mm -hmm. album and like Honky Chateau that my mother had. You do not get that from Sirius yeah. XM radio. Yep. Right. Or even like I kept all of my CD um when I put them all in these big like books just to consolidate the space. But when I was in law school, I had a big book bookshelf and I had the CDs there and like to go and be like, I want to listen to that right now. It's just like a book. Like you just, yeah. those memories are ooh, sorry, really magic. And I find myself rebuying vinyl right. now That's that I fun. had as a child. And you're listening to the entire side. It's you're not hopping around with the needle. Mm -hmm. um, right. It is a pain in the, you know what, to have to, to have flip to that flip record. Right. I'm waiting on them to come up. Why not? Like, you know, digitize, like a, do something with your right. record player that well, flips a needle, itself. A needle oh, under right. and a needle over. And like when a jukebox. It's done, it goes like jukeboxes. Yeah. Remember they would we had a jukebox growing yeah. up. Um, Wait, in your house? In my house. Wow. My father had a vintage jukebox. And when my father passed away at the end of March, and we, like, my brother had recreated CDs back when people used to make CDs for mm -hmm. each other of a lot of the songs that were on our jukebox growing up. And my father was had a very eclectic music from 
country music like Willie Nelson to uh, a lot of Marvin Gaye mm. a lot and my son loves that's why I took him to see Elton John very mm. old school music but it was so fun we at my father's memorial service we um my brother played rose-colored glasses, and oh. we all wore wow. rose-colored glasses. But music is just so evocative. Remember that show, Name That Tune? Of mm-hmm. course. <laughs> and, like, you can hear, uh, listening to Sirius XM radio, and it, listen to 70s or 80s. I really prefer 70s. <laughs> but a song will come on, and it takes, like, two bars, and you right. know that The song. words. It's weird how and that it can take does. you right it back. Is. Yeah. And I miss, um, but it's since it's coming back, I love the album cover art. I always thought that was just, I mean, maybe I thought I would be an album cover artist mm. when I was 13 or something. Are you an artist? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are. I'm an artist. I'm a photographer. But yeah, I mean, I did a lot of art and art classes, and I'm not a very good drawer, but um, draw. I'm, I'm like, I was like, oh, is that a <laughs> new word? Wherever you grew up, do they say drawer? Drawer. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's a tongue twister. <laughs> did you put your clothes in the wash? <laughs> yes, a washing and drawing. <laughs> but. I mean, th- th- those things are coming back, mm-hmm. and I just feel like so many things cycle. Mm-hmm. And luckily, well, that's like the food good takes things. you back. Yes, food definitely yeah. um, takes you back. Are you that childhood the smell memory. of a chocolate chip cookie. Mm, yeah. yeah, I make my grandmother's sweet and sour pickle or sweet and spicy mm. pickles every year. And it really connects me with her. And do you have recipe? Do you have recipe cards, or are you just doing it from memory? So that is a really amazing thing that I discovered. There used to be these date books that your insurance company would send you these right. blank <laughs> calendar date books, and yeah. I have those with recipes in her handwriting and recipes in my handwriting. And it talk uh. about that like how I spelled avocado in second grade. <laughs> Did they have avocados then? Believe it or not, there were avocados and uh, there was something, like I remember thinking pomegranates were so exotic. So and Growing exotic. up in Alabama and North Florida, they were. And artichokes were very uh-huh. exotic. Um, and some of the recipes, you know, my son loves my grandmother's chicken divan, which is Campbell's chicken soup and mayonnaise lots of mayonnaise and broccoli he won't eat the broccoli but he tells me to keep it in because it has the same flavor he just picks it out um but yes i do but her that sounds disgusting um, it is so good. It Curry is, powder and lemon juice. We do tuna divan, not chicken. We do <laughs> Wait, tuna, and it's the what? same thing. But I think we do cream of mushroom Wait, soup in it. What? <laughs> and then you put the breadcrumbs on the top. Oh, yeah, Wait, the mayonnaise? You cook the mayonnaise? You mix the mayonnaise and the chicken, cream of chicken soup and curry powder and lemon juice together and put it over your poached chicken. It's amazing. It's amazing. Bro- I'm going to make one for you, Sandra. <laughs> Yeah, because I can't even believe that's a real thing. <laughs> but my wife has that. She has a lot of her grandmother's old recipe cards. It's the little, you know, the three by five yes. index cards. Yes. And I, I love that it's when she pulls, all, pulls that stuff out. Usually it's around the holidays. Right. Oh, yeah, I have right. a cranberry relish recipe that came from my first mother-in-law. <laughs> it's, it's on a three by five card yeah. and something you say exactly i think of her every year <laughs> that's awesome now can uh, we talk about some of the maybe some of the favorite people that you've done stories about in the magazine oh 
wow, yeah, sure. There are so many. I mean, I really, as you know, and you're both a part of it, we are so blessed to live in this area. I mean, there are people like Bob Kennard. Uh, um, And what I really, I love um, a lot of people who have come in, they've made their money elsewhere, and people like... um, Kit and Gary Crawford, who own Cliff Bar, who have their farm up in Napa, and Peter and Mimi Buckley at Front Porch Farm, and people who are really pushing the envelope and learning and experimenting and then able to share it with like young up-and-coming farmers and paying it forward. And and, um, I was just the mistress of ceremonies, which they called me um, and my son. So I was like, quit saying that, Mom. It sounds a little <laughs> dirty or something, mistress of ceremonies, um, at, a, <laughs> at a summit called um, Future Well. Oh, God, that looked fabulous. Sandra, it was, I, I, I don't know that they oh. could ever recreate that group of speakers together, everyone from Paul Hawken and Alice Waters and Regina Benjamin, who was a Surgeon General under... Obama, a fellow Alabama woman, and Dr. Zach Bush. If you have not heard of Zach Bush, he will blow your mind. Just talking about the the human genome and how regenerative it is and like GMOs and glyphosates and, and what the effects it has on our body. Like it was, he opened with his talk talking about don't you want your body to sparkle and have this electricity and we're like say no more yes I want my body to sparkle and it really just people like Lauren Poncha at Stemple Creek who are practicing the carbon farming and regenerative agriculture and to our area is really on the forefront um, and able to um share what we're learning here with the rest of the country and the world. Albert Strauss, um, he and I were in India at the same time about five years ago, and he was talking to dairymen in India about how to practice carbon neutral um, dairy and organics. And it's really, we, we live in a really extraordinary place. And sometimes we can all feel like we're preaching to the choir, like everybody knows everything and you've heard it. But um, at the Future Well Summit, we were learning things, even those of us in the business that were really mind-blowing. And and adding in meditation and consciousness. And it is all part, you know, conscious people eat in a certain way. They treat the environment in a certain way and I said I'm very happy to be raising my child in uh, Northern California where people care about things other than if Alabama won the football game on Saturday. Yeah I was gonna (laughs) say what was that like for you growing up it probably wasn't the same sort of um, culture that we have here. Uh, Somewhat similar I'll say I remember the day that my grandmother came home from her she would go pick her housekeeper up every day that they 
cooked together and they would stop at the farmer's market and sweet thing as we called my grandmother came mm-hmm. home and was like look at these chicken breasts that she had just bought at the farmer's market and they were huge and she's like what is going on with the chickens <laughs> and sure enough that was when they started injecting wow. all the wow. growth hormones into the chicken and there was a real change like she knew her peach farmer she knew mm-hmm. um all the ranchers she growing up in Alabama you still could know where your food came from but all that you know changed definitely in the 70s and you know and all the when I did the women in um, food and ag anniversary issue two years ago which I'm in which Sandra is featured in very grateful you know it it just it's a cultural shift. I remember, you know, my mother's generation, um, I was born in 1966, was really the first generation where women were, quote, allowed to work outside the home. And so it felt innovative to use rice aroni and tuna helper and hamburger helper. It freed them from, you know, at the time, the drudgery of being yeah. expected to cook. But now it's come back to a point where it's a luxury to be able to have that time to really, there's nothing I love more than a day where I'm having people over and I can go to the farmer's market and plan my meal and spend that day cooking and then, you know, hosting people. That is such a luxury anymore. It's not a drudgery. Um, So it feels like there's a real shift all over for that. I think so too. Yeah. And we're right in the middle of it. I mean, we really, in our area, I mean, I think there's parts of the Midwest or the Southwest that do not have these conversations. And they're slowly getting there, um, which is exciting. I mean, we have a lot to do. Well, in the fast food culture, actually talking to Dr. Regina Benjamin um, and just talking about the health problems and the the diabetes and the childhood obesity and we've got to get away from fast food um and you know they're they're trying to adopt better practices but there i i did a tedx um marin talk this time last year and there was a a doctor sarah gottfried who's over in the east bay and she was talking about the the way your body takes in the same food, it really matters what environment you eat it in. Mm -hmm. You can eat a piece of kale seated at a table with family and friends or just yourself. And when you're really consciously eating that kale salad versus eating it hurtling down 101 in this fight or flight mode, um, just what it's, what the nutrients that your body takes up and, um, it does, it does matter where and when and with whom you eat. And yeah, that's amazing. the emotional calories, like something that's been produced by human hands with love and care, you get filled up literally so much quicker right. than, I mean, you could probably eat 10 Big Macs and, you know, still feel like you weren't satisfied because you're not. It's kind of soulless right. food. It's amazing how smart people eat that food. I mean, it's really smart people. I know really smart people that are even in, you know, that are in the field of health, health and um, 
and it's just some sort of well, catch. there's a lot of addiction. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of triggers in yeah. food. Well, there are a lot of really smart big food companies yes. that right. are doing a lot of research that push those triggers for us that when, make us want that food. I'm curious when, you know, when Amy's first popped up here in Rohnert Park, I thought this is going to go gangbusters. Like there's going to be one in Marin next and then it's going to spread through California and then across. And it just, for some reason, hasn't happened. Well, they're building one in Marin. Thank God. Unless okay. plans have changed. It's okay. in the home of, like, I think a former Denny's, right, in Corte Madeira. Oh, right. But it's right. not right on the highway. Right. Um, it's off on a frontage road, which is going to be difficult to get right. to. Um, and, of course, everything takes way too long, as we were discussing the whole health department and county regs. Any yeah. restaurant yeah. has such a hard time getting open now, and you have to have really deep pockets. Yeah. But it will be interesting um, to to see how well it does. And I think, you know, Alice Water says, like, she started with, when she did the edible schoolyard, she was trying to reach kids in middle school. Mm -hmm. And she realized that our palates have already been formed yeah, by middle school. True. You have to oh, reach younger. kids younger yep. than that. And, um, and I also don't, I think you just need to say it's good food. If you tell a kid this is really healthy for you. I mean, I fed my son quinoa for the first time <laughs> and I don't know what kind of buildup I gave him before because I know he has a weird like a textural thing I think it was I fed him lobster way too early when we were in Rhode Island <laughs> but I, I started oh I'll do red quinoa because that's sort of interesting but when you look at red quinoa you really see the germ Right. And he was like, uh, no, thank you not eating it but I think we you know we have to do a better job of just you know kids do like delicious food so we can't say yeah. this is really good for you but there's a pool like for our generation um i'm sure if i ate a mcdonald's hamburger which lord knows i ate plenty of um growing up it would have some sort of visceral childhood feel right. for me and then right. i would probably gag it up because i know what's in it so when i was back east i'm like okay i want to taste that popeye's fried chicken sandwich Ooh. It was, it was not good. I, I'm sorry. I had one bite and it was not good. I don't know what people are saying. Oh, is, are we talking about the shortage or yes. whatever? Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. No, I called this Popeye's and asked in if they advance. had <laughs> So, so actually we had lunch at the Manville diner. Okay. I'm going to explain that in a second. But before we went to lunch, this is my mom, Eddie, my brother, and I. We, um, I'm like, okay, whether we go first or go after, I want to go to Popeye's. I want to hear what all these people are talking about. I want this chicken sandwich. So we went to Manville Diner first. It is like a 10-page menu that must be... The, maybe bigger, maybe the size of the girl in the fig menu, mm -hmm. which is a big mm -hmm. tabloid size piece of paper. Pictures, the most disgusting pictures. And the portions were huge mm. and the prices were small. Right. I mean, I was like, I said, I said, should I get this meatball sandwich thing or should I get the steak sandwich thing? And you know, it's like, yeah, it comes with soup and then it comes with dessert. <laughs> like, what's for dessert? Tapioca pudding. I'm like, okay, yeah. I love tapioca pudding. <laughs> but it was disgusting. I mean, I like 
and they're they were really excited about it so that was a crazy they meal. your mother and your brother no oh. no they were they weren't really happy <laughs> well my mom liked her grilled cheese sandwich it looked better than the that rest sounds of the more food. manageable yeah but <laughs> it was busy and it was full and you know they have the pies in the display case yeah. and real old portion size means a lot some portion places. size does mean a lot and then i so i had called popeyes and i'm like okay i know there's a shortage of these sandwiches are, do you have them? We have them. We only serve them from 11 to 3. I repeat, we only serve them from 11 to 3. So we go to this drive-through, and on the sign, it you know the where you look at the whole menu, there's a whole thing um, sold out. And I'm like, sold out? I called. So we still go to the thing. What can we get you? Uh, can we get the fried chicken sandwich that? everybody's talking about spicy or regular regular and they had it but i don't know why it's sold out it just was not good mm, interesting it was not good that's good so to hear. i think that's a, i think it's good for me to hear not that i'm a yeah. fast food person because yeah. i can do really well eating bad food with good food mm-hmm. if that mm-hmm. makes sense like burrata or yeah. oh, like yes. all these wonderful yes. things that i love but um, it, it is crazy. Yeah. It, it, fast food restaurants open up a dime a dozen yeah. all the time. Well, I've had people say to me in the magazine, oh, why don't you publish nutritional information like calorie counts? I'm like, it's not that kind of a magazine. Right. Like it's going to be good food, but if you're looking for, you're a on a diet, diet or yeah. whatever, that's not what I do. Yeah. There are other publications that do that. And if you right. need that information or, or people can look it up themselves, but well, I love, so serious eats, which is Kendi Lopez, Kenji yes. Lopez, all who's going to now start writing for the New York times, I think as well. Oh, that's great. It is great. He serious eats reverse engineers, a lot of things like Heinz ketchup, and my personal favorite, Chick-fil-A. And I love a Chick-fil-A sandwich. And when I go back home to the South, you know, I have to go. My boyfriend, we were there one year and he tried to check me in on Facebook. I'm like, you can't check me in at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> but it's like, but, but they've got a recipe on serious eats. And actually, I just found another one on Tasting Table that I made for my family when we were at um, the beach in Florida this summer where you brine chicken thighs overnight in dill pickle juice. Then you take it out and you brine it in uh, buttermilk for like six hours. And then you fry it. And I want to, both the recipes, because I like the the batter, the dip that they do in Serious Eats better. It has dried milk as a mm. part of it. Or, yeah, dried mm. milk. But it's so delicious. It's like the Chick-fil-A without the bigotry. Right. So I highly recommend <laughs> if you like Chick-fil-A, just Google it and you can make your own. And it's super delish. I was going to awesome. say that's where Amy's is. It's always, it's always a little squabble going on in the car because you have... Chick-fil-A is across the street and In-N-Out In is, right, is right next to it. So my wife wants to go to Amy's. She will not go to Chick-fil-A. <laughs> She's anti-Chick-fil-A. Yeah. And my daughter wants to go to In-N-Out. Um, but it's, you can see, it's almost like... Where do you want to go? I don't care. I want to go where everyone's Keep the happy. Peace. <laughs> right. Yeah, <totally. laughs> but I think you could almost, as a, as a researcher of food, you can almost sit at, in the middle of that street and just watch what's going on and how people decide exactly mm-hmm. where they're going to go when they're deciding. When you wonder how much right like there. if, if you took Amy's food 
and they offered it this exact same food mm-hmm. at in and out or at Chick-fil-A if people would like it better because Amy's has got this perception that it's not going to be as good because it's good for right. you. Yeah, see, I don't get that at all. And what I what I like actually is their variety. I mean, they have pizza. They have mac and cheese. They have incredible salads. They right. do, I mean, it's and like... And it comes out of the drive-thru? Yeah, okay. it's amazing. Huh. And it's completely vegetarian. There's no meat coming out of that place anywhere. No cheese on the pizza. It's uh, vegan cheese. And you can do gluten-free. Wow. But they do have cheese. They do, but you can... Everything can be vegan. You can swap everything out. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know why there's not one in every corner. Well, we were Amy's mac and cheese fans when my child was young, for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. It'll be interesting to see. Because... For all the food that's grown in Marin, um, our restaurant scene is not what it is in Sonoma, for sure. Mm. And there are more coming online, but people complain about that all the time. But you have the best farmer's market. We do. On Thursdays and Sundays. Yeah, my mom is there every day. Yeah, Yeah, that the Thursday farmer's market is really extraordinary. Guy who does the chickens. Guy who does the chickens with the Oh, the roti roti. The roller roti. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I love that market. My mom will go and get one and then drop it off at my wife's office in Centerfell. That's so nice. Yeah. Nice mom. Good mother-in-law. Yeah. Very good. So I opened the TGI Fridays in Birmingham, Alabama. You did not. Yes, I did. Wow, that's some knowledge (laughs) right there. I know. I know. We're going back to 1982 or 83, Mm -hmm. somewhere there. Mm -hmm. We stayed at a motel that was under construction. And that was the name. It was just (laughs) Motel. Motel. The Birmingham Motel. Birmingham, Alabama. I don't remember anything else about Mm. being there. It was warm. I, so my father grew up in Birmingham. My mother grew up in Decatur, which is about an hour and a half north of Birmingham. And um, we lived in Decatur for a little while and Birmingham when I was growing up. And I remember the magic pan oh. being fine dining. <laughs> and you go down there and I had a, it was some sort of a shrimp. It had sherry in it. I remember distinctively that was the best part as a child was having the shrimp crate that had Sherry in it. But then you have people like Frank Stitt, who just got Restaurant of the Year, James Beard, this at Highland Bar and Grill. And I go to the Southern Foodways Alliance Symposium every year in Mm. Oxford, Mississippi. Mm. And it is the most well-done conference I've ever been to. Like, Mm. the food is really extraordinary. And they cover hard topics. They cover, like, it was El Sur Latino last year. It was about sort of the... Hispanic culture in the South. It's been there for a long, long time. And women at work, and they talk about race relations, Mm -hmm. and so much of that has to do with food, of course, and they weave that in there. So um, there are some really... My brother sent me for my birthday last year the cookbook from a boarding house in Savannah that they always go to. And Wow. I went to law school in Nashville at Vanderbilt and there was a meat and three, which they're famous for where you order one meat. It's either <laughs> right. fried chicken yeah. or 
roast beef and um, and three vegetables. And a, a friend and I would have a contest every time how many um, cornbread rolls you could eat. Yeah. <laughs> the um, my thing at the Magic Pan was they did this salad with mandarin orange segments and slivered almonds. Oh, I love Tried that salad. Tried to recreate yes. that salad for a yeah. pop up. I know, couldn't do it. Couldn't get really? it to taste the same. Hmm. No. Even the, the dressing was online. It was like a poppy seed dressing. I've had a salad. A, oh, I do remember a poppy seed yeah. dressing. But, but yeah, that's so funny. And I mean, even being in Nashville, I mean, the food there, um, and actually I listened to a great podcast with the pork, porker leg, peg, peg porker, porker peg. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was good. Um, I think you just I can't remember the name. name. Oh, Brian! <laughs> it was amazing barbecue, and I did hear him talk, and he was just so passionate and community oriented. Mm-hmm. And I did get that feel in Nashville that barbecue is really bringing a lot of people together. It is well, people like Sean Brock moving there and starting Husk. Um, there, which, he's which is not also there right, he just left and is at Southern Foodways about three years ago. Mm-hmm. He and his mother cooked a full Appalachian meal wow. like this with all sorts of pickled things because that's so much before refrigeration, and they would pickle things and um, dry it. And when I was in law school in Nashville, there was one like hip restaurant and every first date you knew you were going there to that <laughs> one hip it? restaurant 12th and Porter is it still there it is, I think it's under new ownership and it's different but since I've been going back there more recently now it the restaurant scene has depth there's a restaurant called Henrietta Red mm-hmm. and when I was there we had our publishers meeting there January a year and a half ago and one of the sous chefs was wearing a hog island oh, hat that's great. and they use Heath ceramics which yeah. was really fun yeah. I mean we really are yeah. leading the way out yes, here but you know sure. hog island only sells to a few places outside of the area but this restaurant wow. and and the Mexican restaurant, Thomas Keller's Mexican restaurant in Yauntville, their chef who is featured in my current fall issue, um, mm. his name is Kalen Ulrich Trilling, and Kalen was at a Mexican restaurant. He grew up in Oaxaca, and he was at a Mexican restaurant in Nashville before he came here. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. I have to tell you my Alabama story. Okay. Uh-oh. So, it 1996 was, was it the Olympics in Atlanta? Yes. So it was a little bit crazy to fly into Atlanta. So we flew into Birmingham, mm-hmm. and then went to Kentucky Fried Chicken, where they had a buffet, which oh. we had never seen out here. We'd been to KFC before, but they actually had a buffet in the middle of it, and I didn't wow. know what this one thing was, and so I asked, "What is this?" And the woman said. Well, that's okra. You don't know what okra is? She said, even the Croatian soccer team kno- knew what okra was. <laughs> oh, that's fabulous. <laughs> so I guess the Croatians came through Birmingham, too. They had the yeah, same idea. That's stay so out. funny. So, yeah. yeah, the okra was brought over by the enslaved. With, yeah. They brought their seeds over and grew it in the South. And like fried okra was a big thing that's growing funny. up. And okra gumbo. And Georgianne Brennan, mm-hmm. who writes my What's in Season mm-hmm. column, has 
actually covered okra before and it's hard to find some of the hamong mm-hmm. farmers in the central yeah, I was valley ask if there was well, some way to get it mm-hmm. around here they grow so at the farmer's market now you can find it if you go to the like the vietnamese farmers mm-hmm. and they're growing it because it's a part of their cuisine there's actually someone at um kelly smith who runs the uh community agricultural community events, farmers markets a lot in Sonoma. Mm-hmm. She has someone who has turnip greens and okra at her mm. farmers markets because I've gone to mm. find that before. But it's it's an acquired, especially like if you don't, like if you pickled. fry it, it takes the slime away. Right. Yes, I like yeah, the pickled. I like pickled in a nice martini. Yeah. Or Bloody in a Bloody Mary. Mary. <laughs> really nice. delicious. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Bloody Mary sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> with a little heat right yeah, yeah that would help your cold i think mm-hmm. I, help clear out I the sinuses thinking. i'm thinking a little extra horseradish yeah would be very exactly. nice right now a couple of dashes of tabasco mm-hmm. yeah. well yeah. this was so fun i think we could probably cover another easily 10 hours of conversation so we'll have to have you back on but um so exciting and you just are a world of knowledge you know what it's just it's such a gift every day it doesn't feel like work when you really love what you do and even on the really hard days even on those days where I'm having to send out bills to my advertisers (laughs) I'm still really grateful for it and I you you know this this whole industry is not an industry people get into to make a lot of money you do it because you it's a it's a lifestyle I mean yeah I can imagine you have to really penny pinch on certain things and really have the margins must be really really tight they are but it's you know it it really for me to go to the farmer's market or go out to restaurants and call it work um, right. <laughs> it's a hell of a lot better than practicing law right. I'll say that yeah and you and you get to go off on work on a cruise yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, lucky when this, us when this airs I think I'll be back yeah. um but yeah no there are really amazing things yeah. perks and work and brian working for grapes making yeah. his own wine yeah. i mean working gosh. for grapes anyone that wants to um pre-purchase some Roussan from the rossi ranch vineyard please reach out to us at the bike goes on.com <laughs> <laughs> that was really pathetic <laughs> <laughs> i don't have a price so yeah yeah, right. uh, yeah use yeah. promo code what right <laughs> Brian, promo code Brian. Um, So where can people grab a copy of Edible? Since you're personally dropping them off. Right, right. Um, We distribute the print copies in all three counties, usually starting with our advertiser locations. There's a map on our website, ediblemarinandwinecountry.com, of our distribution locations. Wait, say that again slow. Edible Marin yeah. Yeah. and, which is written out, A-N-D, okay. winecountry.com. Okay. Wow, that's long. That's long. It's a mouthful. <laughs> um, there, um, you can find our distribution locations there, but, you know, downtown Sonoma on the plaza, there's certainly a girl in the fig. Um, there at Nugget Markets, at Sonoma Market, um, we have probably 150 distribution locations. Wow. And if you go to someplace, ask for them. And if they're out, we, we can't keep them. 
for a three month period, we distribute at least twice. So, um, Fremont Diner was one of our biggest yeah. distribution locations. I think Boxcar Fried oh, wow. Chicken has them occasionally, but like Hanson of Sonoma oh, good. around here and some tasting I rooms. I feel like I used to pay for them. No, we've Never. always been for free. There was a time when um, Whole Foods didn't want to have a free magazine because there are lots of free magazines that don't get cared for and kind of linger there. And so they wanted to sell it. So we put a price on the front of it, but it was only sold at Whole Foods. And we didn't make any money right. off of it. Um, but it was so confusing. Yeah. I'm like, this because is crazy. Because I remember I, year, not, years ago, mm-hmm. years ago, but mm-hmm. I do remember buying it. And then you may I have think been at a Whole a Foods. Bit, yeah. I'd be like, ooh. There's a copy. Am I stealing? Uh, right. I know people do feel like I took the price off the front. Right. I'm like, it's not worth it. Yeah. And um, so, yeah. And it's special to have something that's actually really full of great content, full of passion that is free. Mm-hmm. You don't see that very often. I, I just had someone last week tell me I have every copy archived at my house. That's awesome. And on Saturday night, someone said, oh, I pull the recipes out or just beautiful photographs. And it's happened to me. Like sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe. And I don't, I, I distribute to like 30 places just to get things out as quickly as possible um, down in Southern Marin. And my distributor does everything else but I'll be like at a grocery store and someone will be standing there with the magazine (laughs) shopping and I have to stop them and say I have to say that's my magazine and you make me so happy I love that (laughs) actually had someone tell me when I went into um Marin Sun Farms the butcher shop out in West Marin one day I walk in with the box that says a fresh batch of edibles on the outside and this young man came up and he said I have to tell you I met my wife through your magazine I'm like wow. what so there we run the contest in every issue where one of Matthew Carden's wonderful little people photographs with the little people are climbing on food or something. We take one of those little people and hide it somewhere else in the magazine. And there's always a prize when you find the little person and you go to our website and enter the page number in your email. So one time the prize was a free week of yoga at Yoga Works in Marin. And he won the contest, had never taken yoga before, went to a yoga class, put his mat down. This woman comes in, puts her mat down next to him. And sure enough, they got married like two years later. That's incredible. (laughs) That was one of my favorite (laughs) stories. That's awesome. Well, do you have it? So the the fall issue is out or is coming out? Is out. Okay, it's out. And then do you already know what you're working on for the next issue? Yes, very much so. We, okay. I really, I keep that running list of stories that I want to cover, um, and I'm always planning a couple of issues out. I learned my mm-hmm. lesson. Like, my first issue was a summer issue, and the next issue I wanted to do a story about thanksgiving like heritage turkeys well where are you going to find a turkey in june so i realize you have to plan sometimes a year in advance and take your Mm -hmm. photographs like we will have a story the in the winter issue there's a story on storm watching up the um, california coast and like staying in 
Mendocino, up in Fort Bragg, and the inns and the restaurants up there where you can go and watch the storm. So we had to shoot photographs for that a year in advance so that we could have them. So I do know I plan my editorial calendar. Right. Mm, a while out yeah what's plant a seed for us what's a what's a fun thing that you're working on you think it'll be oh so for the holidays um so the next issue will be out december the first and that's winter holiday we always have the edible gift guide which Mm -hmm. is really fantastic this will be our 11th year of doing that and it's all food related gifts and Mm -hmm. everybody loves food from very high end to small things um and we feature all of our advertisers and something from them so that's always that's become a real go-to for our readers but this um issue we also have a story and kind of an update on local truffle production and Mm -hmm. and locally produced caviar so we're gonna have Mm -hmm. some really um and that's what i love about the magazine where you know our summer issue this year had a hunger theme and it was all stories about who's hungry in the three counties and why from college students to the elderly to our farming um, population and the organizations that are helping alleviate hunger and then we also do stories on truffles and and caviar because I I did have one former advertiser not very happy with me because we covered single thread Mm-hmm. when it first opened and because it's such a high-end restaurant I'm like well they were in the number one restaurant in the country and they're in our territory so it's sort of silly not to cover them they're also farming and grow a lot of their own food but I also there are niche publications like Mother Jones and Cornucopia that I don't read and I'm in the industry and what I want to do in covering Marin Napa and Sonoma I mean you can imagine you know Sonoma is very political about their food but Sonoma does a really excellent job of balancing great production and food production mm-hmm. um, Napa is so grape centric um, they didn't have a year-round farmers market until a couple of years ago um, Marin really led the nation in organic food production so having all three counties in the same magazine is sometimes a challenge but what I love about it is the same people who want to hear about single thread are also going to be reading about GMOs in the same magazine and I don't want to turn a whole segment of the population off by only writing about GMOs right? Um, and so it's nice to be able to sort of you draw people in with beautiful photographs and recipes and then you tell them the hard stuff too right well thank you for doing what you do yes thank you very much yeah yeah thanks for supporting me and I'm and I know all the listeners out there are going to hear the passion in your voice yeah thank you yeah it's like a it's like a community service seriously I know Well, it's a service right back to me. I mean, talk about, you know, we can all leave our, our legacy, um, and making the world a better place. So I like to do my part. Awesome. Pretty cool. Well, thank you again. This has been the bike goes on. If you want to check out some of our previous episodes, you can always, uh, and other content. Saunders done a great job at the, the bike goes on.com. If you want to go on there and look at all sorts of information, um, you can also go to Radio Misfits Podcast Network and search us through there. And 
Sandra, have fun on your trip. We'll look forward to hearing some some wonderful stories when you return. Yes, you will. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, wait, wait. And on Instagram. Instagram. um, Well, I'll be back already, but people can see at Fig Chronicles and to see what I posted, what I ate. Yeah. No fast food. Tell us just a quick, where are you going? Okay. I am going to Venice. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, John and Claudia are going with me. We have, I think, 14 other people coming. Some people I know, some people I don't. Um, We are going from, we went, (laughs) I can say past tense. We're going Venice, Croatia, Montenegro, Corfu, Gallipoli, Rome, Sorrento, Tormina in Sicily. Oh, I've been there. Amazing. I love it. I've been, yeah. And um, after Sicily, Monaco, and then Barcelona. So I think it'll be one of those things. How many days? 12 days. A few days ahead in Venice. Mm -hmm. But like, where are we? What, what? country are we in today mm-hmm. luckily <laughs> they're mostly all euros so that'll be good but very excited crystal cruise line they've been very good to us and they upgraded us to a penthouse Ooh, la, la. what does that mean exactly it means it's three floors higher than what we were on <laughs> and it means yeah. that our butler is more our butler buttlery. yeah you get a butler you can you can have hors d'oeuvres and yeah you can have your clothes washed it's pretty nice (laughs) (laughs) they'll unpack for me but that doesn't usually happen yeah you don't want them checking out your Mm. undies yeah yeah there's a lot of holes (laughs) (laughs) all right yep all right, well, we'll look forward to hearing about that when you come back. And if you guys want to see, I'm sure we'll post some pictures there and you can follow on the Fig Chronicles on the Insta and uh, and have fun. Bon voyage. Merci beaucoup. Yes. And, and thank uh, you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you all really for listening. Fun. Please really leave us fun. a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. And if you have any ideas for guests, of course, we always like to hear from you as well. This has been The Bike Goes On. We'll look forward to talking to you next week. Mm-hmm.